we know God is love and we know that there's mercy. But why is there so much judgment? You know, I think there's so much judgment because there's so much rebellion. Not only in the world, but even in the church. I think we rebel in the church. Now there's grace and mercy, but you know, we rebel by not wanting to be molded and shaped into his image. Staying the same. That's an act of rebellion. God wants to mold and shape us. We said, no, no, God, you can have this part of my life, but not this part. I'm going to stay like this. This is who I am. Kind of an honorary, kind of angry kind of person. right? And God wants to change us. Now, I believe that God allows judgment because He does want to change us. He wants to change us because He wants to use us. Now, there's the world, right? He wants to change them into salvation. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast of Calvary Chapel Echo Park here in Los Angeles, California. We are a small fellowship of diverse believers who want to serve our Lord and do His will. You can find out more about our fellowship at ccechopark.com. Join us for our live stream on Sunday in the New Testament and Wednesday evenings in the Old Testament. Now let's get into the Word of God in our weekly podcast. The teaching is from Pastor David Higa and will be the study of the revelation of Jesus Christ and the book of Revelation. So Revelation chapter 8, verse verse 1, right there. John writes this, he says, When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. And he was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. And then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. And so the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. Verse 7. The first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth. And a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. Verse 8, Then the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain, burning with fire, was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. Verse 9, And a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Verse 10, Then the third angel sounded and a great star fell from heaven burning like a torch and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water the name of the star is wormwood a third of the waters became wormwood and many men died from the water because it was made bitter verse 12 then the fourth angel sounded and a third of the sun was struck a third of the moon and a third of the stars so that a third of them were darkened. A third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. And I looked, and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels 
we're about to sound. All right, chapter 8, right there. Uh, I titled this message, message um, uh, Silence and the Seven Seal. And it really does pivot on verse 1 and, and, and part of verse 2 as well. Okay, so I want to read verse 1, 2, and then talk about this, uh, this introduction on the title. It says, verse 1, chapter 8, it says, When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour, 30 minutes of silence. I want you to know that silence in heaven, okay? So in heaven. Now, what's happening in heaven until this point? Well, we noticed this that, or we noted this prior into our study um, up to this chapter is that there's wonderful, loud, and glorious worship in heaven, right? Right there at the throne. Remember, we saw how in chapters two and three, right? The church, right? The letters to the churches, it's the time that is now. But right when we get into chapter four, we noted that the church is in heaven. And the church is in heaven and it's worshiping. We noted it's the marriage supper of the Lamb, right? The church is raptured between chapter three and chapter four. And the church is now in heaven and there's glorious worship right there at the throne of heaven. And we see pictures of that, right? Uh, in various parts from chapter four, the church is in heaven and it's worshiping, right? But then right now in chapter eight, verse one, it says, as the seventh seal is opened, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine this, this awestruck silence in heaven? You know, heaven is a place of worship. It's a place that uh, people are drawing near to God. I think it's a place of rejoicing. And we can read that in our text in Revelation. But right now in chapter 8, verse 1, there's silence. And it's a deafening silence. And I kind of think about this. You know how that, that uh, saying there's uh, the calm before the storm or the silence before the storm, right? And I think, you know, we can relate to this when we study different phenomena in the natural realm. I think when you uh, do a study about hurricanes or, or tornadoes specifically, you know, oftentimes, you know, when this happens, people will, will recognize that there's a silence. There's an awestruck silence before these storms hit. And it's almost like a prelude, like to get ready, right? It's almost like a, I like to put it like a time of mercy, right? That you can kind of gather yourself and know something's along the horizon. So you can get into the bunkers or, or get some kind of a, a refuge somewhere uh, to escape that storm. You know, I kind of sense it's a bit like that here. There's a, an awestruck silence in heaven. Worship is going around. It's very loud. It's very... Um, very glorious there but then as this or right before this seventh seal is open there's great silence and we're going to see why okay in a bit because in this seventh seal judgment is really going to be let loose okay so if we uh think that judgment was pretty pretty harsh up to now the six seals of judgment well you haven't seen anything yet and what we're going to see and what we just read for the first uh four trumpet judgments of the there's gonna be seven trumpet judgments within the seventh seal of judgment okay so we have seven seals i want to remind you that's that's um keeping this scroll that's closed okay the scroll was introduced in revelation 5 and only jesus is worthy to loose the seals of the scroll okay so there's seven seals and once that seven seal is loose that scroll is going to be what unraveled and we believe i believe it's the title deed to the earth now whether you agree with that or not, I think the important thing is to notice the seals because it's in the seals that judgment occurs, okay? I believe it's the title deed to the earth. And so when that last seal is loose, as we've talked about prior, what's going to happen is Jesus is going to return, right, with the armies of heaven, with the church that was raptured seven years prior, and he's going to rule and reign. He's going to lay claim, relay claim physically to this earth, and he's going to rule with righteousness, okay? 
We know that Jesus is ruling and reigning, reigning spiritually. That happened at the cross of Calvary. So there's a spiritual rule and reign for all those that have become born again. But remember, we noted this, that when Jesus returns for his church, he's going to look for everyone that's ruling and reigning spiritually, that has the Holy Spirit. They're born again. And he's now going to give them what? A resurrected body made for the heavens, right? And that, we believe, happened between chapters 3 and 4, as I mentioned, right? The church is in heaven. But as the church now receives their resurrected body, they'll return with Christ to rule and reign with him at the end of the tribulation and at the beginning of the millennial kingdom. And so he's going to rule and reign with righteousness. Now, the reason I mark this to you is that this silence is almost that that preparation, that prelude, right? It's that awestruck silence before this seventh seal is loose and that title deed is open. But within this seventh seal, there's seven trumpets of judgment. We just read the first four, what they are. Why judgment? Well, we talked about this because what the Lord is going to do through this time of judgment, He's going to purge this earth of sin to prepare for His return. Because He's going to return and rule and reign with righteousness. Okay, so mercy has run its course to, I would say, not only to a certain extent, but to almost its fullest extent. But there's still mercy we're going to talk about. It has to do with this, I think, one-third, one-third, one-third. God is still showing mercy. And we do note this, that the tribulation saints, right, many are going to be saved during the tribulation. And it's because mercy has gone out. Ultimate judgment hasn't come yet, right? But it's being... Um, it's being heightened, and it's going to be heightened to the nth degree in this seventh seal of judgment. Okay, so in verse 1 here, it says, When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven. The silence before the storm, the calm before the storm. But there's going to be a storm that happens, and we're going to see this unravel in the seven trumpet judgments and the seven bowl judgments. It's all to prepare for the Lord's return, to purge this earth of sin, and so Jesus will rule and reign with righteousness. There's going to be right rule and right reign. Can you say amen to that? As you read the news, right? That there's finally going to be a government of God that's going to rule and reign with righteousness. Okay, so that's the day that we look forward to. Now, it's interesting, you know, um, as I started to think about just this silence before the storm. You know, the silence really is... No one's speaking, right, in heaven, but, but the thing that really captivated me is the silence of God, right? The Word of God. And, you know, it's interesting when you study throughout Scripture, when God is silent, oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes, especially when you're not walking with the Lord, when silence, when the Lord is silent, it, it really is, is a, a prelude to judgment, Okay. And I say that when you're not walking with the Lord. And I, and I started to think about this in Scripture. Those that haven't been walking with the Lord, when the Lord is silent with them, boy, we see judgment right right around the corner. And, you know, the person I thought about is, remember Saul there? Remember King Saul, the first king of, of Israel there? Remember when Saul, and we know it was kind of a... Um, a digression. You know, he started off really strong, but then he started to really not listen to the Lord, right? And he started to um, uh, to rebel against God, and he started to do things that he ought not to do. And then as we see that happen, that God's hand begins to, to come off of Saul. But then remember at the end of Saul's life there, the night before he would, he would, uh, he would die, remember he sought the Lord, and the Lord was silent. Huh? And the Lord was silent because judgment was was eminent and 
you know, he sought the witch of Endor there, right? And, and we, we know that whole account there. But, but the Lord was silent because the time of mercy had run out. And so I bring this to your attention because that's the same sense that we get here in chapter 8, verse 1. As he begins to open the seventh seal, that's the doozy, right? We have silence. And it's almost like, like what happened to Saul. It's judgment is eminent. Final judgment is eminent. Now, there's still a little bit more time. And we're going to see this, this, uh, this mercy kind of surface as we, as we highlight every time he mentions one-third, one-third, one-third. It's almost as if, you know, the full judgment is not going to come until later, but he's going to do something that's very, very, um, very strong. It's going to be something that, that you can't deny. That this is the Lord, but He's only going to damage one third of the vegetation. He's only going to um, uh, to take out one third of the uh, of the sea creatures and one third of the ships that are on the sea. Only one third of the waters are going to be um, made bitter. One third of the sun, one third of, and so you can sense why one third, why one third. I was kind of thinking about this. Well, you know, God's mercy is still being 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 given, and we do know through His mercy in the tribulation that many come to know Him. But they cannot deny when these judgments happen that the Lord is coming, bringing this whole thing to an end. He's preparing for His Son to come and to rule and reign. Okay, so the reason I wanted to draw that to your attention is that, you know, I think we can apply that to our own lives. You know, it's interesting. You know, when we start to dabble in things we ought not to dabble in, you know, the Lord, He gives us mercy. He gives us time to repent. And I want to encourage you with that. You know, if you're doing things that you ought not to do, if you're walking in a way or you're living in a way that you ought not to live, if you're doing things, if your attitude is an attitude that it ought not to be, you know, the Lord does give us mercy. But then, you know, after a while, He holds us accountable, especially if you're a child of God. But you know what? what, what is the scariest thing is when the Lord is silent, huh? When you inquire of the Lord and He doesn't answer. And, and again, oftentimes the Lord is silent and He's probing you even more. But, you know, I believe when you're not walking with the Lord, actually you're walking in a different direction. You may have tasted, you may have known Him before, but you're walking in a different direction. You know, there's a, a time of mercy for you to repent. But you know when, when He begins to speak less and less to you and, and His Word becomes silent, that's, that's something, you know, we can recognize in Scripture. Perhaps judgment is right around the corner, you know. And so, you know, may we take heed to that as well. But let me underscore this also. You know, the reason there's a purpose behind God's judgment. We know that this is God's judgment we saw is, is God's peculiar or strange work or foreign work the Scriptures talk about. He would rather you repent, right, and follow Him. He would rather go the route of mercy. But I got to tell you, if in the time of mercy you don't repent, mercy does run out. And as mercy runs out, He will ultimately judge. Okay, And so we need to note that. And this is exactly what we see come in the past. And I think it's really highlighted here in chapter 8, chapter 8, verse 1. Okay, With that, with that introduction, let's begin at, at verse 1 here, chapter 8, verse 1. Okay, So He says here, When He opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. I know what he says, about. And so the emphasis is not the exact time, 30 minutes, you know, and zero seconds, that type of thing. The emphasis is that, that basically the time, the time of judgment is right around the corner. There's this awestruck silence. I want you to note that. And then the seventh seal is open. Now, verse 2 says, And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets okay so 
within, this is where we get the dynamic, within the seven seal, he loosed the seven seal, right? And then he sees what? Seven angels with seven trumpets. And these are the seven trumpets of judgment. That's why we noted this. And several commentators, they underscore this as well. You know, in that seventh seal are seven trumpets of judgment. We're going to see later in that seventh trumpet of judgment are seven bowls of judgment. Okay, so think about it. Fourteen separate devastating judgments upon the land and upon people right in that seventh seal. And then finally the what? This scroll is going to be open, which I believe is the title deed to the earth. So a lot of judgment ahead of us in this seventh seal. Now it says seven angels and they had what? Seven trumpets. Now we alluded to this prior. Okay. And uh, I want to just draw your attention to this, um, this section in scripture that we alluded to these um, four trumpet judgments prior. Remember right there in the, um, in chapter 7, in the beginning of chapter 7, that would be the first parenthetical that we studied. A parenthetical being what? An introduction to some of the personages in the tribulation. And so the two personages we met uh, the prior two weeks was 144,000 from, uh, from Israel, 12,000 from every tribe. And then the tribulation saints, which we noted, those are the ones that don't take the mark of the beast and they die for their faith in Jesus during the tribulation. This is where we know mercy is still going forth. And so many are going to be evangelized by these 144,000, and many of them are going to be Gentiles, not only Israel, okay? Many are going to come to know the Lord, but many are going to be killed for their faith. Actually, more than many. Notice it says a great multitude in chapter 7, verse 9, and no one can number them. So there's going to be a great, great revival in the tribulation. But that revival is going to be at the cost of a lot of lives as well. Okay, so I want you to note that that was the first parenthetical. But remember what began that first parenthetical. I'm going to read this to you. Chapter 7, right there at verse 1. Remember it says, After these things I saw four angels. Now I mark this to you. Could this be four of the seven angels that we see recorded here in chapter 8? Verse 2. We don't know for sure, but let me put this together. It's possible. Let's keep reading chapter 7, verse 1 says, it says, at the four corners, right? So I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on, sea, on the sea, or on any tree. So I want you to notice these four angels, they come, and they're holding back the four winds of the earth. So we can kind of guess, right? East, uh, west, north, and south, right? The winds around the earth. And they're holding back these winds from what? Administering judgment. And so notice, blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. We noted when we just read chapter 8 that these first four trumpet judgments, right? It's judgment on the land, on the earth right? On the sea, on the waters, right? And on the vegetation. We see that. We noted that, right? And so I want to just draw this connection to you to ponder. Now let's keep reading chapter 7, verse 2. It says, Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea. Okay, so these four angels, they're coming to harm the earth and the sea. And we see that happen, we just read in chapter 8, right? Judgment on a third of everything, right? Uh, the trees, the vegetation, the waters. Okay, so in chapter 7, we have this insight that these angels, they're coming to judge the earth. But then, what happened? There was a fifth angel, verse 3 of chapter 7, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And we noted this as we covered 
chapter 7, verses 1 through 8, two weeks ago, we noted this, that the seal goes on these 144,000 Jews, 12,000 from every tribe of Israel. And we receive that literally. God means what He says, and God says what He means. I say that often. We want to be taking things literal as much as we can. So we believe this is literal Israel, 12,000, 144,000. We take that literal. And so we say this, that the angel here, we say this because the angel here, right? He says to the other four angels, you can't do, you can't administer this judgment until we seal these 144,000. And we noted this the past two weeks, this 144,000, right? They become these great evangelists, right? And Israel begins to evangelize the earth again. But God's plan all along was to evangelize through the nation of Israel, right? And so it's interesting as we study that parenthetical the last two weeks that we have the 144,000 connected in this parenthetical to these tribulation saints from every tribe, tongue, and language. And so numerous, they can't even count them. A great, a great awakening, a great revival in the tribulation. And it's going to be through Israel, 144,000. And so we note this, that this one angel, the fifth angel in chapter 7, he puts a seal on Israel. He says that the judgment can't go until the Israel seal because they're going to be the ones that are evangelized. So I note that because now... As you read chapter 8, as we continue on, and we read the description of these first four trumpets, now the judgment comes. But Israel is sealed. And they're evangelizing. And they're going to evangelize to, the, to Jesus returns. And many, even though many are saved at this point, right, there are going to be many more that are saved through the tribulation. Okay, so I want you to note that, that these first four angels introduced to us in chapter 7 could very well be these four angels that we read on the trumpet judgment. And remember, it holds back the winds. Remember, I brought this to your attention, right? What does it take to blow a trumpet? It's a lot of wind, right? I don't know if you ever played trumpet. Actually, I tried it way on, and then I changed instruments because you need a lot of wind, right? And so, as they held back the wind in chapter 7, right, the wind is now being what? Exhausted in chapter 8 to the blowing of these trumpets. Okay, so I want to note that to you. All right, so it says, And I saw, verse 2 of chapter 8, And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. And he was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. Now, the prayers of the saints. Now we see a reference to that in uh, Revelation chapter 6, um, verses, verses 9 through 11, in the opening of the fifth seal. Remember we noted that. Remember we noted as the seals were being loosed in chapter 6. Remember the first four seals, they revealed the four horsemen of the apocalypse. I believe, as I mentioned, those are the different faces of Antichrist, right? So all four, four seals, they kind of point to Antichrist and how he kind of starts to, um, to do his, uh, his deeds in the tribulation. He comes as a counterfeit Christ riding on a white horse, but then he begins to kind of broker deals uh, with, um, with the world. He's a political figure. Everybody starts to follow him. It's really a false peace, but we see through this Antichrist, right, to the four horsemen, horsemen of the apocalypse, so the different face of Antichrist, he begins to take control of the world. But remember we noted this, after the fourth seal, we have the fifth seal. And it was interesting, this fifth seal, it didn't really 
record judgment. All it recorded was the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God. These would be the tribulation saints. And we noted also that, you know, martyrdom is not judgment. And so what would the fifth seal have to do with judgment? Well, we noted this, that perhaps it's the call or the prayers of these tribulation saints for judgment. And we noted this, that perhaps it was an inflection point, a tipping point, right? Because when we see in the sixth seal, no longer is judgment coming and being administered through this Antichrist, but God Himself begins to shake the earth. And remember the sixth seal? He shook the earth and all these powerful men, right? These, uh, these mighty men, these rich men, uh, that they knew it was God, but they hid in caves. Okay, so we see kind of a fundamental shift in the judgment at the sixth seal, but what the inflection point was, perhaps was the fifth seal where the prayers of these saints, remember these martyred saints, at the altar there, they're saying, How long, O Lord? Will you continue, allow this to continue until our blood is avenged? You know, uh, John MacArthur, I was reading some of his commentary, he, he kind of titles that, uh, that passage there as the fifth seal, as the um, <clears throat> prayers of, uh, of avenging, uh, of avengement or something like that. But he really kind of goes into that. He goes into that for uh, several pages, actually. And then you see some of the other commentators alluding to that too. Walbert and Henry Moore, some of the commentators that I'm reading, they all point to this part here where, these saints are praying in judgment, prayers of judgment, prayers of avenging uh, the blood of the saints. And so this is fueling the, uh, the sixth seal, but, but really the seventh seal as well. And as we mentioned, the seventh seal is the real serious one. And things begin to really kind of escalate in terms of the judgment. And so we see right here in chapter 8 as well, right, a reference to that. Notice it says, Another angel having a golden censer came and stood at the altar and he, he was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of what? Of all the saints. Now I note all because I believe it not only includes these tribulation saints, but all the saints, even those that had died in the time of the church and in the time of the Old Testament, their prayers and they're held in this golden, uh, in this censer there, right? And at this golden altar, I want you to notice as we read in verses 4 and 5, that all those are accumulated, and they're accumulated for judgment. I want you to note that they're accumulated for judgment. So it really does, does kind of match the reference in that fifth seal, right? Crying out to the Lord, these tribulations, is how long, O Lord, before you avenge our blood? It's prayers of vengeance. That's, that was the title that was used in the come. Prayers of vengeance. Okay, and so we see that literally kind of being exercised right here. Okay, so notice, let's keep reading here. It says, And the smoke of the incense, verse 4, with the prayers of the saints. No, the smoke was mixed now with the prayers of the saints. And these are prayers of vengeance. Ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. Okay, so these are prayers of vengeance. And he's going to mix it with incense. He's going to throw it upon this earth. And then this is going to take us, right? This is going to be the fuel for this seventh seal of judgment, which now we see described from verse 7. Verse 7 says, The first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth. And a third of the trees were burned up. And all green grass was burned up. So can you imagine a third of the trees 
Just look out at the landscape. Now, I know in Los Angeles, not as many trees as maybe if you go up north, right, to, to Portland, Oregon, or someplace like that. But can you imagine a third of the trees being burned up? And all the green grass was burned up? Judgment on what? On the earth, right? Judgment upon the land. Now, notice verse 8. Then the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. Notice this. And a third of the living creatures in the sea, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Can you imagine a third of the sea becoming blood? Can you imagine a third of the living creatures in the sea perishing? And then look at a third of the ships. I think of um, just the trade kind of arena, right? A third of the ships being destroyed. Again, judgment upon what? The seas, judgment upon the land. Now, verse 10 says, Then the third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. Okay, so the third of the drinking waters. Think about all those being destroyed. Now, let me, let me pause this. Let me bring this to your attention. Can you imagine if there was a lack of drinking water on this earth? I've got to tell you, if the third of the rivers and the springs of water turned bitter, where you can't drink it, where you're going to die if you drink it, there is going to be a shortage of water. Not only to water the crops, but a, a shortage of water to drink. All these things that we depend upon being stripped away, it's going to create a, a lot of uh, turmoil, a lot of, a lot of bitterness, a lot of anger. It's going to create a lot of internal wars. Okay, and so a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died from the water because it was made bitter. So I want you to note this, right? Judgment upon the earth. Okay, and I want you to I want you to note this. Also, every time it uses the word a third, a third, a third, a third. We're gonna even see that in this fourth trumpet judgment. And I started to, to really think about this. Why only a third? Well, I think it's because mercy is still going out. We can taste severe judgment, but then we still have time to repent. And I believe that that's why a third is being being judged, being stripped out. And He's judgment upon the earth. And that's kind of an act of mercy as well, in a sense, right? There's the judgment of the earth, but then the judgment of the people that live on the earth, right? And it's a prelude, I think, to final judgment, right? And, and I know this because it speaks of God's mercy, even in the midst of this severe judgment, even in the midst of these four trumpet judgments, which is really escalating the judgment. We have only a third destroyed, right? And so you can still live on Two-thirds, right? It's going to be very sparse, but how are you going to react? Are you going to turn to the Lord now? But I want you to note this. It's judgment upon the earth. And I think about the earth as the blessing, right? The Lord gave us the things that are to bless us, but the judgment was upon the land, and ultimately the judgment was upon the people. Thanks again for joining us in our podcast of Calvary Chapel, Iago Park. We hope and pray that you have been blessed by the teaching and join us again as we continue to study the Word of God. Once again, you can always visit us on our homepage at ccechopart.com for more information and teachings from Pastor David. To God be the glory.